It's time for the BallQuest Mailbag Podcast, answering your questions from the General's Quarters every week, right here on BallQuest. Good Thursday, everyone. Welcome to the VolQuest.com Mailbag Podcast, presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics, East Tennessee's most trusted health and wellness store at Smoky Mountain Organics. You can visit them online, SmokyMountainOrganics.com, or you can check them out in location at one of their four stops. They've got three uh, locations in Sevier County, Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, and of course, their store in Knoxville is uh, 8018 Kingston Pike, just down from Trader Joe's, or across from Trader Joe's, just down from Westtown Mall. That is Smoky Mountain Organics. Again, their website, SmokyMountainOrganics.com. With Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Glad to have you along with us on this Thursday edition of the podcast, the mailbag edition. And we're going to go all over the place today, guys, with a bunch of different questions about a variety of different topics. So let's get started with them. And out of the gate, AKA VFF wants to know how much should my VolQuest NIL deal be worth? Austin think, Price, does he? I, have, I mean, you know, you're an NIL expert. Does he got a deal? I, I think you have two options here for for old uh, BR, and that is, uh, you could either uh, get a deal with a mitten company, so uh, the Volquesters wouldn't have to deal with his, all his typing and, and threads, or um, I'm sure there could be a collection of, of of private donations that you know push for just his own private board of one that he can just talk to himself like Jack Sparrow when he's in Davy Jones locker on pirates of the Caribbean. And there's a thousand Jack Sparrows talking to each other. AP, you know, what hurts is NIL value though, is that he has so many people on ignore. He's not getting the feedback for whatever kind of product. This is true. His uh, NIL valuation is, uh, is is very low. To Shelby, R14, we go with some real football and basketball questions now. What do we have to do to start landing some of these high-profile transfers we've missed out on? Some of these guys would have started here immediately but went to schools that were uh, that might not be the case for them. He didn't specify sports, so we'll, we'll attack it in, in both sports, first of all. Uh, Rob, let's start with the hoops transfer portal. I know it's still wide open. Tennessee's still looking there. Uh, you know, I've missed out on a couple of kids. Is it hard – what what's the challenge for Rick Barnes's program with the transfer portal? Is there one? I mean, I think the challenge, and especially with Brandon Murray, I mean, I'm surprised Brandon Murray picked Georgetown over Tennessee just because, I mean, that's a coach on the hot seat. I mean, I know he has a tie with the LSU assistant that, that got hired there, but I think that highlights what you're looking at. I mean, he's going to Georgetown and, and they're probably not lying if they promise him that, hey, you can shoot it till your arm falls off, you know, up, for, up here for us, or you're going to play as many minutes – as your body can stand. And that's not the case here. I mean, he probably would not have, been, I don't think he would have been a starter. I mean, are you sitting first team all SEC Santiago Vescovi for, for him? Are you sitting Josiah James, the guy that, you know, lets you, gives you so much lineup flexibility for Murray? I mean, I think Brandon Murray would have played 20 plus minutes a game, but he would have been, he would have started off as the, you know, the fourth, the fourth guard behind. Um, Ziegler, Santi, and Josiah. So for both of you guys, do you think there are more demands that way in the transfer portal than there are with high school kids? I mean, are these guys – obviously they're looking to go somewhere to play, but but are these guys – you think guys are having meetings where it's like, I got to be assured X number of minutes in basketball or I got to be assured a starting spot in football. Do, do you think that, that discussion point is there in the transfer portal more than high school kids? Yes, because I think that 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 
players at the college level feel like they're more entitled or empowered or have a greater voice than a high school prospect does. Now, maybe a few high school kids have those discussions, but for the most part, no. Um, I think, you know, you know, and you've seen that here, you know, I mean, people, you know, guys want, you know, they want to be able to get X amount of playing time or, or whatever, or, you know, they're going to the portal or whatever. So, I mean, I agree. I mean, who wouldn't want to follow in the footsteps of the great Mac McClung at Georgetown? I mean, I, just just saying, Rob. Well, and, I, and Hubbard, I think you. I mean, I think you're right. I don't. I don't know that I would necessarily couch it as as kids make demands, but I think that when guys have already been in a big time program, um, they know exactly what they're looking for. You know, maybe you know playing 32 minutes a game and and getting 15, 16 shots up a night with ease. It was more important to Brandon Murray than you know a chance to to play in the NCAA tournament and for one of the best teams in the SEC. I mean, I, th- I think after you've been through it, you're just you're just more aware of what you know of, of, of exactly what kind of situation you want to put yourself in. Yeah, interesting. Um, to Pine, Tennessee, Pine Mountain Ball, we go. Excuse me, Pine Mountain Ball. Does did spring practice take a back seat to UT baseball? And do you think it's time to cancel spring practice and go to more of an NFL mini camp model over the summer leading up to the season? My contention was they're there. They're, they're, it's just. It's a never-ending season in football. Yeah, like, you know, Rod Clark, Justin Ganey, Frank Anderson, you know, Tony Vitello, Rick Barnes, they all get off time. Like, football coaches don't get any off time. I mean, like, you get four or five days here and there, and, and that's about it. I mean, like, there's not stretches where they just get this huge chunk time of, you know, being able to spend time with their family and stuff. I mean, football is a never-ending, you know, grind and, you know, so, I mean, it, it is there. You're right, Hubs. I mean, you do spring practice, but, I mean, coaches can now have more um, work in the summer than they were ever used to be able to, you know, 10 years ago. And, you know, I mean, it just it continues to spiral. And, Rob, look at the month of February in football now. Coaches are off the road recruiting, obviously, but, but they get hands-on with players, whether it's in film rooms or doing walkthroughs or – whatever, they, they can do some hands-on stuff with, with football guys there, and they can get them in the summertime much the same way basketball can get some opportunities in the summertime there. I, I do think that spring practice um, is not nearly as significant as it was 15 years ago. I, I just think that with, with everybody, Rob, training around the clock in the, at the high school level, I just don't think that spring practice carries as much weight as it once did. Maybe I'm wrong, but that's my vibe on it. No, I totally agree with you. Totally. I mean, I think it was, it was hyper important. You know, like you, like you're saying 10 or 15 years ago, because you were, I mean, you could talk to your kids in in the building in the, in the summertime, but it, I mean, even though, you know, it's not like they're having actual practices, but just the interaction is so much more in depth than, than it used to be. And and I'm with AP. I mean, these guys make fantastic money. So, but if you break it down to what their hour, hourly wage was, I bet people would be surprised. I mean, there, there, there are very few times where they're, you know, turning off the cell phone or putting the cell phone on silence and taking a few hours to do whatever they want to do with their wife and kids. Well, I mean, I mean, look at a Wednesday for Tennessee AP on the football side of things. I mean, that's a, that's a 16 hour day. You know? Yeah, and, and sadly, college coaches around the country, especially the younger ones, have gotten sucked into the uh, the Nick Saban model. Um, but, I mean, I think even Saban knows when to pull back, you know, and I'm not sure some of the younger 
know, I, I talk to too many people around college football that, you know, they're, they're encountering the same type of stuff. The, the younger generation thinks, oh, we got to do the saving model of, you know, putting in, you know, 100-hour weeks. And, you know, I just don't think that's real feasible, you know, long-term. And, and Saban, while he, you know, he, he's he's rough on him down there, he knows he knows when to, to you know, say when. Well, it's going to – with the NIL world, the transfer portal world, it's, it's how many coaches, quality coaches, are trying to find themselves into the NFL – now compared to where they were a, a few years ago, 10 years ago. I think there's a lot of guys who have left the college game, went to the NFL game, and went, you know what, it's a lot better up here. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I enjoy like Zach, Azani, Zach Azani would, would if, if he had to find a job in college football, he, he would come back. But, I mean, he's very happy in the NFL. I mean, like, you know, his desire is not get to get back in this rat race. And it's only gotten worse with NIL, with one-time transfer and all the stuff that goes on. I mean, I would, uh, I would take less money. To coach in the NFL, if I was one of these guys, and again, you know, when you're saying three quarters of a million dollars versus six hundred thousand dollars, that's, you know, that, that's a, that's not a terrible decision to be making. But I just don't think there's any comparison. Yeah, I, I mean, I just the, the lifestyle is very different in the two sports for sure. Uh, UT fan J Man wants to know how many spots are open for summer portal transfers. Football can take how many? AP. Mm-hmm. I want to say about five. Okay, basketball square, Rob. Uh, three. Am I right? I'm thinking three. You place Huntley Hatfield. You place Tomba. Um, slide BJ Edwards into, into BJ Bailey's spot. And I'm missing one. Who am I missing? You got, Ken, you got Kennedy. Uh, Quentin Debunje. And you got Debunje. Okay. So the three right now. Three right now for them. Um, Gator hater Eric wants to know biggest storyline during fall camp. Is it who starts at left tackle or limitations in the secondary and linebacker? What do you think is the biggest question in fall camp out of those who, three? Who starts at left tackle? Uh, you know, you've got to find a way to run the ball in short yardage. You've got to find a way to protect Hendon Hooker. Tennessee was not able to get those short yardage uh, plays that they needed a year ago. They were also giving way too many sacks late in the, late in the year. Um, you know, there's no Cade Mays. You've got to find somebody to, you know, replace him because Darnell looks like he's definitely moving to the right side. And so who do they feel most comfortable with? Is it J.J. Crawford? Is it Gerald Mincy? Or, you know, do they feel like they need to go find someone out of the transfer portal after spring practice? Yeah, does anybody a- besides me think that's that's kind of odd? I mean, is Darnell does that much better at right tackle? Because it seems like the left is the more important position. Well, I think that they feel like Mincy's a much better fit on the left side than Darnell is than he is on the right. And Darnell wanted to move back to right. So – is that just because Darnell's just footwork wise is more comfortable there? Why does he think he's a better player on the right side? You got any idea? More comfortable, and, and you know, thought he wanted to go back to the left, and then realized how much stronger he feels like he is on the right side. That's interesting because you know, left tackle, left tackle is the is the money position. A lot of those guys got to get to left tackle, got to get to the left side. It's interesting that he, you know, feels more comfortable and would prefer to play on the right side. I'm with you though on that question. I think that is the biggest question. You can. You can throw you can throw the group of guys in the secondary and line. You know who your linebackers are. Do you need more depth? Sure, but at least you know who those guys are. Uh, when you're talking about secondary, you got a pretty good idea of what that group looks like as well. You just don't have any experience at the at the left side, which has got to be your biggest question mark going in uh, to to fall camp. Uh, Farmer Vall wants to know one basketball, one football question. We'll start with the hoops. A lot of people on this board are downplaying the loss of BHH. In my opinion, he was the guy with the most potential of any guy on the roster going into next year and the one most likely to become a star. 
I get the staff not wanting to compromise the culture by promising anything, but I feel that this is a huge loss and could really hurt this team. At the very least, I think it lowers the ceiling of next year's team, as I doubt they pick up someone with that kind of potential at that position from the portal. What do you say? Potential means nothing, Rob, unless you're willing to play within the framework of the team. It, it, it that, That's all in great. But if Michael Jordan would, wasn't willing to play within the framework of the triangle, you know, would they have – had as much success he would have had success because you know he, he is michael jordan but would their team have had success you know i mean if brandon huntley hatfield was unwilling to play within the framework of what rick barnes and company wanted to do and he just wanted to get his how much success would that have hurt tennessee i, I argue the opposite i think that you know sometimes it's addition by subtraction yeah i mean that, that's what i would say if i mean if his buy-in he is uber talented totally totally most talent most most potential on the team of anybody, but if his buy-in was not going to be what it needed to be, then it's like AP said, it's addition by subtraction. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. I mean, the kid's obviously talented, but if, if he's not going to, you know, do the things that you're asking him to do, or if he's going to do it begrudgingly thinking that, you know, he is being misused, then, then he's going to be a problem and not having, you know, that person around, not having that person in your locker room improves your culture, improves your, your ceiling. Never. I don't think Brandon's a bad kid at all. Right. I think, I think he's right. immature, and uh, you know, I, I hope he, I hope he finds what he's looking for. Yep. I mean, it's it's a situation where he's never going to maximize his potential if he wasn't in, bought into a hundred percent. So um, I'm with you guys a, a thousand percent on the on the the argument or the answer to that question. Uh, let's assume the Vols land Baru McCoy, but not add another significant contributor to this year's team via the portal. How do you think the guys this? How do you guys think this roster compares to last year's? Better, worse, talent level, and outlook. What do you think? How's this I mean, roster football wise compare? I think it's deeper, um, but I also think that that's impossible. Tennessee's going to add players besides Brew McCoy. They'll add more players. I got. It's not like a, I mean I understand what he's asking, but like they're going to add more players. Um, um, but yeah, I think it's just a deeper team. I think the younger the younger class of freshmen really gives them some depth, some added depth, some quality bodies. You know, they didn't have depth last year at all. Yeah, and I, I agree with you, Hubbard. What do you think about this stuff? I mean, I, I think they're deeper. I don't think there's any question. But I also think you lost your best player on the offensive line, your best player on the defensive line, and your best player in the secondary. And I don't know that there's anybody – that, that's going to be as close to productive as Matthew Butler. Maybe I'm wrong because he came out of nowhere. Somebody else could do it. I don't think there's anybody that's at Elante Taylor's skill level at that corner in the secondary as a whole. And, you know, same for Cade on the offensive line. Yeah, I mean, I think that – I think this team's going to be, you know, defensively, I think they're going to understand everything better. I think in some places they're going to be better uh, if they can stay healthy. Um, I, I don't – I don't know. I don't think that the schedule is. I mean, I think the trip to LSU is rough. I mean, I don't think that's a hard game. But it's set up to be a night game. You know, I think the Pittsburgh game is the is a big game for this team in terms of taking a big step. You know, I, I think that's the thing. I think the one difference between this year's team and last year's team is last year's team played with no expectations. Yeah. You know, you just everybody expected them to win three or four games. Maybe they can score some points, right, and and have some fun. And then all of a sudden, you look back at the year. Well, if this would happen, that would happen. You. Could, you suddenly talk yourself into this team could have won eight, nine, ten ball games. So the expectation was whether you're bringing the quarterback back and receiver back, then you're suddenly going to win, 
you know, two more games. I don't know that that's the case with this team. I don't know what this, I don't know what the ceiling on this team is compared to last year's team because last year's team exceeded expectations. I think the floor on this team, if they stay healthy, is better because you're proven in some spots and you understand what you're doing on both sides of the ball where there was so much unknown a year ago. I'm not one that's ready to buy in that Tennessee, their ceiling suddenly, you know, competing in the East or double-digit wins or whatever because I think the schedule's tough and I think they do have questions that could push them, you know, and if they have injuries, a lot of young kids are going to have to play who may or may not be ready to play. I think the seat of the the floor is seven and five, which is what you did last year in the regular season. I Assuming think the ceiling, you stay healthy. Assuming yeah, I, you don't have major injury. Yeah, at key positions like yeah, quarterback, I mean, right. you know, um, you know, and then I think the ceiling's nine and three. I mean, somebody's gonna say, "Well, what about two and two? Again, the the you know, I know everybody wants to poo poo on South Carolina, but they got better this offseason. They added some quality pieces in the portal. That'll be a tougher game. You hammered them last year. You know, Missouri. You get that game at home. They didn't add JT Daniels. I, I think you, you'll handle them. Kentucky is, is is still a push type game. They've still got quality talent, you know. And and, and Levis will be better in, in year two than he was in year one. Maybe we'll see if he cuts in on the interceptions. Florida to me, it, again, it, it all goes back to September hubs. If Tennessee beats Pittsburgh and Florida at that point, then you know you look at potentially a nine and three type year. You know, um, at, you know, it comes really into focus. I think Pittsburgh and South Carolina, Rob, are, are two are two hinge games when, when you look at you know when you when you look at this season. I mean, how much better is South Carolina? Can you handle playing Pittsburgh on the road? I think Pittsburgh should take a step back from where they were a year ago with all that they lost. Uh, but but those are two games that are that are going to be toss up games that Tennessee's got to win if they're going to e- exceed or hit the ceiling of this football team. You're not throwing Florida in there, Hover? Uh, you know you know my stance there, so I'm just going to let that one go. Um, shoulda, woulda, coulda for 20 years on that game. Um, you know, well, I think those are three games that are either toss ups or Tennessee's a slight favorite that will mm-hmm. determine whether or not they're seven and five, like AP said, or if fans get a chance to dare to dream. Vol since 1996. Any interest in going after any offensive lineman from the portal? It seems we need some quality people, depth there. Would you all agree? AP, they'd take a tackle if they found a tackle who they believe could help them right away. Right. Yeah, they would. Um, you know, but outside I mean, of that, I don't know that they're going to take a lineman just to take a lineman. Yeah, they're not. I'm not going to take a good. I mean, they're plenty fine at guard. Okay. Um, Volsby, 1998. Who is the more impactful in the receiving game this season, Squirrel White or Jalen Hyatt? I'm taking Hyatt. Yeah, I'm, I agree. I'm buying Jalen Hyatt. I like Squirrel White. I think he's quick. I do, but I watched Jalen Hyatt on Wednesday run a takeoff. Uh, he was plenty fast enough. Uh, I like his frame. I like his buy-in, Rob. I, I think the pressure is on Jalen Hyatt to perform. He knows that. I think he's in a different place than he's been before in his Tennessee in his Tennessee career, and that's a good thing for Tennessee. Yeah, I think it's a no-brainer. I don't think it's close. I mean, I'd, I would probably, you know, Brew McCoy's, you know, kind of tantalizing what, what might happen there. Ramel Keaton is a forgotten guy. It'll be a great story, but – if I had to bet right now, I would bet Hyatt would be the second leading receiver on the team. Yeah, particularly if he's playing in the slot because the slot position gets a lot of balls in this offense for sure. Uh, Volsby98 again wants to know, with Addison Nichols working at center, is it safe to say he's the sixth offensive lineman? God, they can plug and play at any position if someone gets hurt? No. He's no. not the sixth lineman at this point. Ollie Lane would be the sixth lineman at this point. They would shuffle around if they had to at tackle. 
first tackle off the bench is going to be whoever doesn't win the starting left tackle job. You know, whoever that is, whether that's Crawford, Bensey, or Dane Davis, whoever's whoever's not the starter there at left tackle is going to be the first tackle off the bench. And Ollie Lane, I think, will be the first guard off the bench. Yeah, I, I, you know, I like Addison Nichols long term, but if if he plays a bunch this year, I'd be shocked. Yeah, uh, Anthron, when do you think Casper will do something? Question one. He's got several. I'm just going to go one by one. AP, hit it and get it. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, again, leaning Tennessee, but by no means done. Your favorite question. Best prediction at next player in the boat. Don't want to name a name, but can you give what side of the ball it might happen on? Defense. With BHH in the portal, Rob, where does Tennessee go for a replacement? Is it going to be a portal guy? Or is it the international world that we haven't heard about? Or is this a high school kid comes out of nowhere like Ziegler did a year ago? Um, and I don't have a name to throw at you right now. Um, if I had to, if I had to bet with a gun to my head, I would say an international guy that nobody's never heard of. Yeah. By the way, if you can only see Rob right now, he he has got his white quarter zip on. He looks like Al Davis. Al Davis, just win, baby. Nice. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think we talked about this in the podcast on Tuesday, Rob. The, the international world just makes a lot of sense. Uh, those guys, you find them late. Tennessee's got some some resources and some ties to some international um, scouting people who can help them out with some guys. I, I just think the international world makes a lot of sense for, for guys to pop up out of nowhere late like this. That's not to say they're not going to pursue uh, a guy in the portal if there's a guy in the portal, but it just seems like, International may be the more logical place. And I, tell, to find I mean, and, and I and I think it's kind of interesting. I guess you know how this is, and maybe you know, twenty years ago, it was like you know, European guys are soft, international guys are soft. I feel like that's done a one eighty. Oh yeah, I agree I mean, with. I mean, you. like, not that Eurosh is a super talented player, but there isn't anything soft about Eurosh. I know that's just one example, but I know from talking with him, probably the front line that Coach Barnes was most impressed with all year long, at least in the scout leading up to the game, was Arizona. With um, and they they had two two international kids. Coloco, I think, was from from Cameroon, maybe Senegal. Um, I can't pronounce the other kid's name, but he was a middle you know middle Eastern European kid. Turbellus, I think, is how you say it. And I, those those two kids made an impression on him. Do you think, Rob, that's because they play a lot of older competition with the way that their age brackets go? I mean, I, I think back to when Eves Pines was coming out. I mean, he was playing against some grown men instead of guys his age versus I know guys play up or play down so many AAU ranks in, in the States, but it's not as physical in summer basketball in the States for sure. Do, do you think it's the European guys playing against older guys that, that make them more physically prepared? I, I think that's part of it. And this is just my own theory. I also think that probably, you know, some of the, that was probably accurate for some guys early in, in the, you know, when European basketball, international basketball first started bleeding in. And I think that, a lot of those guys I'm talking about, you know, from 15, 20 years ago, got into the NBA and saw just how physical the American game was. And then they go back as, you know, coaches, mentors, older players, and it, you know, kind of kind of filters down. Good, good point. Um, if uh, Austin, if uh, Strozier doesn't do anything this month or next, are the Vols chances of landing him done? No, I mean, I, I felt like it, it. You know, the kid was you know heavily leaning here, um, and you know, you, you felt like you want you, you, your Tennessee. You wanted to see him get in sooner rather than later because it's going to get a lot tougher. 
Um, Clemson's obviously made a play there. Sounds like he's going to officially visit Clemson and Tennessee in the month of June. Um, Clemson early in June, Tennessee mid part of June. And, uh, and at that point, we'll see what happens. But it seems like, you know, it's, it's the two-team race, kind of like Christian Conyers. seems like it's Tennessee, Kentucky. Uh, continue with a little football recruiting here from Loud Noises. I'm fully aware that the rankings are far from final. There's a whole senior year of football to be played, yada, yada, yada. However, I'm concerned. I'm curious, not concerned. However, I'm curious how you see our three current in-state commitments. Would you mind saying where you personally see them fitting in to the in-state rankings? Are they inside the top five, top 10, 15, 20, and so on? Where would you, AP, in your rankings world, have Tennessee's three current in-state commitments? Spillman, Bustle, and Nathan Robinson, the newest. I would have Bustle between somewhere between five and 15. You know, I mean, just off the top of my head, I'm trying to think who else is in it. I would have Robinson between five and 10. Um, Spillman, I'd have somewhere around, or uh, yeah, Spillman, I'd have somewhere around 20. Um, you know, and then you got, you know, you got, you know, Herring, someone who, you know, I think is the number one player in the state. I know we don't have him ranked that. Uh, you know, I've told him I disagree with that. Um, you know, um, but again, I got the current rivals rankings are wrong. I've said that on the board. I've told, you know, the guys that do the rankings, they're just not right because the, the offer lists don't match up with who would be a take at those schools. Sam Smith, 2233, are Malik, is it, how you pronounce his last name, Rob? Reno? Reno. Reno and Julian Phillips, the top two priorities at forward. Will Tennessee try to get in on Kenny Lofton Jr. with BHH in the portal? Uh, and to you, AP, is Hendon Hooker the second best quarterback in the SEC this year? Go hoops first, Rob. Uh, I, I mean, those are the top two high school guys. And I'm not, I mean, I'm just not convinced that things are super serious with Brindell. I mean, Tennessee has been by to see him a few times, but there was no relationship there, you know, prior to two or three weeks ago. Been a, been a pretty long time Florida commitment. I mean, if ten, Tennessee is trying to get in there, I, I really have no feel for whether or not that's real or a pipe dream right now, but they are, you know, certainly trying to open up the lines of communication. I wouldn't put him on the same planet as Julian Phillips, as far as a priority target. I mean, some guy that you've had on your campus and, you know, done home visits with, know the family, um, have some history with. So, you know, that, that's kind of apples and oranges to me. As the, LA, the Louisiana Tech kid, I, I don't, I mean, Tennessee, I fully anticipate or know, I know that they're doing some evaluation there, whether or not he emerges you know, as a legitimate target, I'm not ready to say right now. Again, the kid, um, Tyreek Key, is a legit target. And the one guy that uh, just, oh, John Rothstein tweeted yesterday, he's making a visit. I'm, I'm blanking right now. But people listening will, will know that. You know about the kid from Kansas State? Yeah, the transfer from Kansas State. Those, those are legit. I mean, I know those are legit as far as the transfers and everybody else, you know, Every time a name hits the portal, everybody on the board was knows Tennessee recruiting him. Tennessee recruiting him right now. Those are the two. Those are the two names I know that are, are legit. And Tennessee's evaluating everybody that goes in the portal, as everybody does. For both of you, is Hendon Hooker the second best quarterback in the SEC for next year? I mean, I, I think so because I think he's 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 more uh, um, mistake prone, or he's he's less mistake prone than KJ Jefferson. Man, is it even close? I mean, well, I mean, what do you think of Spencer Rattler? I mean, I didn't think much of what I saw from him. At he Oklahoma. was terrible at Oklahoma. Right. Again, high ceiling because right. he does have a lot of arm talent. But until he proves it, then, I mean, you know, I know our old friend Jesse had a, his quarterback rankings uh, since he's moved over to on three. And, you know, <laughs> like I looked at it, and I mean, I think that was 
pretty fair. I mean, you know, he had Hooker at three, KJ at two, but I mean, he had Spencer like six or seven. I mean, that Rattler don't need to be higher than that. He was was average at best at Oklahoma in a bad conference. What do you do with Stetson Bennett? I mean, he just won a national championship, but I mean, are we selling him short by, you know, continuing to call him a game manager surrounded by (laughs) phenomenal talent? Well, he had him at four. I mean, so he had him, you know, in the top quarter of the conference. Yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I may be biased, but I just, I mean, I think, I think Hooker is right there behind Bryce Young. Yeah, and you've got, you know, you got a transfer coming in from old to Ole Miss as well. So we'll see. I mean, I think the league overall is better at quarterback from a potential standpoint. But when you look at what's proven, I'm with you. I like Hunden Hooker better than Jefferson, um, and, and then you know Bryce Young, I think is is the best one in the league. I think he's he's proven to be the most talented guy. All right, a couple out the door quickly here. Legit contender for uh, Trey, Trayvon Webb. I think he's going to come back. He's going back to Florida this weekend. You know, everybody's predicting him for Florida. I know Tennessee's working him, you know, pretty hard doing graphics, him and comparing him and Nico to Jamal and Peyton. <laughs> um, Tennessee wishes they were that. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, I mean, again, I think he's got to, he's got to uh, come back. And again, the longer that one goes, probably the better it is for Tennessee. Uh, out of the last weekend's visitors, who did Tennessee make up the most ground with, AP? Quarter or the, the lineman, Simmons, Lucas Simmons. Okay. Um, last question here for everybody. This is Brooks, 1972. Your thoughts, most likely scenario to happen first. Basketball Vols make the Elite Eight. Football Vols win the SEC Championship. Baseball Vols win the College World Series. Baseball Vols win the College World Series. Yeah, I agree. They're closer. Yeah, they're closer. I mean, you know, they, they, everybody's got them, you know, in the, in the College World Series heading there, and they got to get there. I think it's the hardest one to win, but I think their program um, is there. I, I think basketball is much more of a crapshoot because there's so much of the draw. Do you play well at the right time? Uh, but this baseball team obviously has a chance to win a national championship. I would right put that at two, and I'd put football at three. I would put we, football at district three. Yes. And that says, more, that's more, that says more about the top of this league than it does about Josh Heupel and Tennessee. To me, yeah, it says how, it says about the challenges of chasing I mean, down Georgia and Alabama. Again, if you were if you were if you were had the blessing to make it out of the East and get to Atlanta, I think that's a unbelievable accomplishment. And then you got to unlikely play Alabama, you know, and maybe it's that odd year where it's an Auburn or an LSU or whatever. Um, but you know, yeah, any Auburn right now, they're a dumpster fire. Um, but. Yeah, it could be me. it could be A and M. I mean, the, the thing is, getting there is a hard enough accomplishment yes. than winning it on top. You no, know, I do think you're if you can make it, Hubs. Don't you think you're playing with house money at that point? I mean, like nobody's going. Everybody's going to expect the winner to come out of the West. I would think so, but that's. I mean, there is no such thing with fans as house money. I don't think. Yeah. I, I mean, <laughs> you know what I mean. I just don't think. I just don't Kirby, think anybody sees house money. Kirby Smart will find that out in a hurry in December if he goes to. <laughs> Atlanta loses by two touchdowns to Alabama. Yep. I mean, I just, I just think in the world of fans, there's no such thing as house money I- anymore with the expectations that are out there. And I get that. I mean, that's, it's that way around the country. You got a lot of money invested, a lot of money being spent on a lot of fronts, uh, which creates a ton of expectations for everybody. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of the VolQuest.com mailbag podcast. We've got continual football coverage as the Vols wrap up spring practice. 
Josh Heupel to meet the media. We'll have full coverage of that a little bit later today. Uh, coverage of Tennessee baseball this weekend and uh, plenty of recruiting content as well. But that's going to do it for this installment of the Mailbag Podcast presented by our good friends at Smoky Mountain Organics. For Rob Lewis and Austin Price, I'm Brent Hubbs. Thanks for joining us. Have a great rest of your Thursday, everybody. You've been listening to the Ball Quest Podcast every week here on Ball Quest.